0: that'll, well, it'll make you tingle in places that I can't even mention. Uh, well, all you have to do is get yourself a, a cup or a mug or a glass, a tanker or gels or stein, a canteen jug or a flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure, of the dopamine hit of the day. The thing that makes everything better. It's called the Simultaneous Sip, and it's going to happen right now. Ah. Uh. You've been stipulated. Now we're going to do a little uh, lag test, if you don't mind. Uh, I'm going to do a test on both the uh, YouTube channel and over on Locals. I want to see what the lag is between my comments and your response. I'm going to say an unusual word, and the first person who repeats it back to me in the in the comments. That will tell you how long the the lag is. All right? Get ready. So the first one who retypes this word, that will tell me how long the lag is. The word is octopus. Go. One, two, three, four. Oh, three seconds. Three, Three seconds. That was very fast. Looks like we got the lag down. Now, that might change a little bit as the traffic comes in. I don't know if it's traffic related. But that's a, yeah, that's very good. Thank you. We have many octopi, and uh, the experiment is complete. Good, good. Now, there might be a difference on the browser version versus the app. I don't know about that yet. Well, let me tell you about my AI experience yesterday. If you were like me, and I like to think everybody is, you probably said to yourself sometime in the last, oh, year or so, uh, I should spend some time working with AI just so I don't get left behind. Anybody say that to themselves? I'm, a lot of you are probably already using it for work. But I said to myself, I'm going to wait in. So what I thought I would do was build a little uh, app, which in the AI world, if you're using uh, OpenAI, chat GPT version, uh, would be called a GPT. So it, it lets you talk your way into creating an app. And so I tried that, and I said to myself, what can a clever person in his senior years who doesn't work with technology all the time anymore, like, how far can I get? Here's here's the problem. The interfaces for using AI are weirdly way behind the AI. So no matter how powerful the AI is, getting you to use it as a user is weirdly it's almost ridiculously uh, non-obvious. For example, I probably spent an hour yesterday not knowing that there was a switch where I could intentionally change it from version 3.5, which wouldn't do anything for me because it didn't have the features I needed for what I was doing, to 4.0. I spent the whole time trying to debug why it wasn't doing what I wanted and I wasn't even in the right version. Now, why does it not default to the current version? <laughs> or, or why doesn't it flash and tell you, I'm definitely on this version, so you can do these things right now. I mean, it's just a, that's just a user interface, you know, total botch. That's all it was. So I spent hours just trying to figure that out. Uh, do you know how hard it was even to find the official ChatGPT app? You go to the App Store, and there's so many crazy little apps that have the same name, and they, and they try to make a logo that looks sort of like the official one, but different. It's, it's 90% garbage apps or apps that are not the ones you want. So I spent maybe an hour, maybe an hour even trying to look for the app. <laughs> Have you ever spent an hour looking for the app when you knew the name of the company? I mean, that's so weird. Uh, why was it so hard? So... But then when I had the actual experience of building it, um, what's new about version 4 is it can access an external file. So you can feed it a file and then ask questions about it and build a little app around its special knowledge of maybe that one file or what you taught it. And that little special knowledge would be your GPT. So it was actually a freaky experience building an app by talking to it. But that kind of worked meaning I just had a conversation with it. And the thing that's really mind-blowing is that it makes suggestions after it fails. So you'll say, can you do this? It will try, and it will say, I can't do that with the file you've given me, but I'm going to try this instead. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Seriously? You're actually keeping me informed while you're trying a whole new look? And then it tries another one? But it was freaky. It was freaky. It talks to you. It talks to you without being asked, and tells you what it's doing, and it tells you it's going to try a new way to solve your problem. It's just you, your brain just goes, "What? What am I dealing with?" It's it's awesome. Um, now I did not succeed, but I believe I learned enough yesterday that in a very short time, I could create a GPT that would look at a text file that has all of my every everything a Dilbert comic ever said. And then separately, it can find that Dilbert comic in a different way. And it can take those two pieces of knowledge and marry them and become a search engine for any Dilbert topic. So maybe by the end of today, just by talking to AI, I'll be able to announce that there's a, a GPT that you'd have to have you know access to uh, the app, I guess, um, that you could do a search. Or I could do a search. Or I could hire somebody to do a search for you if you wanted to reprint, that sort of thing. But that's how easy it was, just talking to it. But you have to get past the interface glitches first. Well, uh, Iceland is in a state of emergency, at least part of it. Uh, I guess there's a big-ass volcano there that uh, has been so active. They've had 1,400 earthquakes in 24 hours a number which is surely bigger than that since I read the uh, post on it. And uh, they're, they're at least... Uh, it looks like they've told one town to completely leave. So there's one town that's right right in the uh, right in the death area. But it looks like they have time, so it looks like they're going to get out, but they're going to lose their homes. So it looks like an entire town might disappear. So we'll see. Uh, if it gets worse, it could affect air travel up. I understand. Somebody smart told me that. All right. Um, here's what bothers me especially about this Iceland story. I have to be honest. I spend a lot of my time thinking what my backup escape place would be. You know, if if the place you live goes to hell for whatever reason, natural disaster, or let's say you get canceled and you can't live among the population anymore, something like that. And I always look for, all right, What's my worst case scenario? Where can I go? And Iceland was on my short list because I am like, wow, you know, I bet you could go there and just hide from the rest of the world for a while. And now the whole place might turn into a volcano. So no place to safe. Um, there's a study on willow bark extract. I know, you were waiting to, to find out about that, weren't you? You're all like, I hope he talks about the willow bark extract because that's... That's some news right there. Well, it turns out this willow bark, you put it in tea or something, make a tea out of it, and it can uh, thwart all kinds of viruses. So everything from seasonal colds to COVID-19 to viruses that affect you know completely different conditions. So it's, a, it's sort of a broad-spectrum virus killer. But it might be so easy to obtain and Maybe so hard to patent that you'll you'll never be able to take it. But if things go bad, go find yourself a. Well, I don't want to tell you to take bark off a tree and consume it. That seems like bad advice. You should probably listen to a doctor before you eat any tree bark or make tea out of it. But it's good to know it's an option. This is this is one of these uh, news stories that I like to give you toward the beginning to show you that even though the news might look like it's all doom and gloom at the minute, at the moment, there might be some really, really big things that are brewing to make things better. I mean, suppose they did come up with a broad-spectrum antiviral that just, like, took a big piece out of every virus. Totally possible. That, that could actually happen. I mean, that would be very transformational for life on Earth. Have I ever told you that uh, science isn't real and they're mostly just making shit up? (laughs) I didn't used to think that. When I was a kid, I thought science was like the best way to understand the world. And, of course, I was born right around the time that science was telling you cigarettes were good for you. That's about when I was born. And I was born about the time that the government was telling you that the, the food pyramid was how you should eat. (laughs) No, 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 not true. Uh, But it just keeps getting funnier and funnier at how bad science has always been and we didn't know it. Um, I've told you this before. So in the late 90s, I wrote a book called The Dilbert Future. And I've said this before, but it's it's a good lead-up to what I'm going to talk about. Um, And I said to myself, I'll bet you I could pick anything that science knows to be true for sure, I could predict that it will be overturned by science in the future and that I would be right and I would look like a prophet. And so I had two choices. I was like, I'm either going to pick the Big Bang or I'm going to pick the theory of evolution. Because I thought, okay, those are two things that nobody, nobody is going to say, you know, is going to change. We really get those things. We understand them. And in my lifetime, sure enough, uh, the, uh, the Big Bang has been at least thrown into great question because our better microscopes, or not microscopes, telescopes, can see that there are galaxies formed that don't make sense if there was a Big Bang. So did anybody see that that would be overturned? I mean, I don't know what it's been replaced with. I mean, that's still a mystery. But, <clears throat> and I would argue that evolution has been debunked but you're welcome to disagree. And I would say that evolution has been debunked by the simulation theory. Now, we don't know that we're a simulation. It's just that it's, you know, a trillion to one odds that it is, which would make evolution more of a perceptual thing and not any part of reality. So I picked the 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 two most basic things of science and in my opinion, this is my opinion. They've both been debunked to my satisfaction in my lifetime. I was right on both of them. (laughs) Now, the one I picked was evolution. But, uh, yeah, I could have picked the Big Bang. But here's another one. Uh, So yesterday I was talking about, why is it that if we all evolved from people who came from Africa, why is it that when I do my 23andMe, it doesn't have any African in it? And I thought, well, is that just because it gets so... So diluted over time that it eventually effectively disappears, is that why because it didn't didn 't really smell right because i 've got some Neanderthal in there, a solid two percent or something and I thought hmm it do, it does seem like stuff lasts a long time, so why wouldn 't there be a little bit more African in me and Then I find out apparently there 's been this whole debunking of the out of Africa theory. How many of you knew that? How many of you knew that? there is some serious debunking about the theory that we we all started in africa and everything spread out from there well you know i've only just touched the surface but apparently you know books have been written and uh, there're a whole bunch of alternative theories that seem to make more sense than the out of africa and you know what, and here's the realization i came from it out of the out of africa theory was always a racist theory wasn't it Did did it grow out of science, or did it grow out of scientists being fucking racist? It looks like it was just a racist theory the whole time. Because nobody says this directly, right? But imagine you're an anthropologist in what what year did we come up with the out-of-Africa idea? Can you give me a historical, give, give me a calendar on that. Was it 1800s or 1900s? When did we decide that people evolved out of Africa? Early 1900s? 1860? Somebody says mid-1800s. That's when people started finding fossils and, and whatnot. All right. So here's what I think. I think that the world was a super racist place and that the anthropologists, because they were super racist... They came up with this idea that the Africans were more primitive and that 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 the people like them were the ones who evolved from the more primitive stuff. Literally the most racist thing you could ever come up with. And then they embedded it into you know, basic science. When in fact the evidence seems to suggest that humans started in maybe more than one place, and that's the whole story. But there was a lot of interspecies banging. Yeah, the, the early days of uh, humanity must have been wild, because it turns out you could like you could bang a monkey, you could bang a, a Neanderthal, you know you could get those Den- Denisovians or whatever they are, the little ones, <laughs> the little ones. Yeah, uh, how wild is that? Like today we're like, would you would you date somebody Irish? Oh no. I've never dated somebody Irish. Actually, I've never heard anybody say that, but I suppose they did. But back then, it was like, I had a little uh, Neanderthal tang last night. How was it? Well, it was wild. It was wild. I recommend it. Have you ever tried a Denizovian Homo erectus? Can't, can't wait to get some Homo erectus action. All right, sounds worse than it is. All right, let's talk about... Uh, however, so everything is wrong about science, and always was. Um, Ronna McDonald. <laughs> Damn it. I can't do it. I swear to God, I was looking at the name and trying to read Rana McDaniel, and my brain couldn't actually do it. My brain turned her into a clown, a fast-food clown. Now... Was it, uh, wasn't it Laura Ingram who made the mis- same mistake on TV and had to correct herself in real time? I, I, I think I watched somebody else just do the same thing and then quickly correct herself. The, what, what could be more damning than being criticized and people keep calling you accidentally a clown's name? I mean, there aren't, many, there aren't that many famous clowns, right? How, how many clowns can you name? Go. How many clowns? There's Ronald McDonald, and then Bozo. Good, give me another clown. There are very few clowns that you can name, right? I mean, Red Skelton, million years ago, right? So they're all, yeah. I, I don't know about the Burger King, that's more of a weird king thing. Krusty the Clown, thank you. Krusty the Clown. Clown Adams, clever, okay. Yeah, But it's very unfortunate to be criticized and also have a name people think sounds like a clown. But uh, she was, Rana was interviewed by Lauren Ingram on Fox, and I have to say she came off as not capable. Now, I don't, I have no inside knowledge to know if she does a good job or a bad job. I don't have any opinion on that at all. I wouldn't know what a good job looked like, actually. You could tell that The Republicans aren't winning as much as they'd like to. But, you know, I can't tell from the outside who's doing what or who should do what better. You should have accountability, though, so it doesn't matter. The details don't matter. If you're not getting it done, you're not getting it done. Time to try something else. But she did not come across as capable. Did anybody else watch it? Did you have the same impression? I could have been primed, you know, too primed to, to see it that way. But even so, Laura Ingram asks her a basic question, and she runs off on this long thing and uses up all her time by answering the wrong question. And then Laura calls her out, like, "Um, that wasn't even really the question I asked. I mean, she looked like she couldn't handle even an interview. So it wasn't a good look. So it was a good day for uh, Vivek, who, by the way, has uh, merchandised. uh, Remember when Nikki Haley and the uh, in the debate, called him scum, under a breath. Uh, now he's created a line of merchandise <laughs> that you can buy for his campaign with, with kind of a cool logo. I have, to, I have to admit, whoever did the graphic design on his stuff, really good. It shows a uh, Vivek looking powerful in some military outfit and some American-looking V behind him for victory or Vivek. And uh, it's called Rebel Scum, so he added rebel to it. Rebels come. <laughs> i tell you, this works every time the Republicans do it, and it works never when the Democrats do it. Have you noticed that? Maybe that's just a bias on my part. But when, but when the Democrats try to you know, monetize or, or turn one of their insults into a positive, it doesn't quite work. You know, like the Power Brandon thing they tried to do about Biden, ah, it, didn't really, it didn't really connect. But I feel every time a Republican tries it, it works. Like the deplorable mugs, uh, i bet a lot of deplorable mugs were sold. And we still call ourselves deplorable, you know, jokingly. So yeah, it doesn't work the other way for some reason. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line, it's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's Wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com/wonder. Well, this little story is funny. Uh, th- this is where the level of trust is with our government. Here's how much we trust our government. I'll just read. So you might know that there was a a big bust. There was a D.C. uh, brothel that was uh, taken down by the FBI on the same day that a number of people voted in Congress to authorize the building of an FBI new headquarters, $300 million Death Star bigger than the Pentagon. And 70 uh, Republicans even voted for it Uh, And Molly Hemingway had this post. She said, Is it bad, I assume, all 70 GOP who voted to reward the FBI with a brand-new headquarters are also clients of this brothel? (laughs) So that's saying out loud what a lot of us were thinking. Huh. On the very same day, it's almost like they're sending a message. It, It sounds very much like they were sending a message, doesn't it? It's like, you know... We do have the client list from the D.C. brothel. Here it is. I mean, it could leak. I mean, Leaks happen. Uh, you know, it's just funny the timing. It's funny that the timing of when there could be this leak just happens to match up, and this is a coincidence, people, with the time that we needed Congress to do something that they didn't want to do, but was good for us and the FBI. So you know, those two stories they are just sort of coincidentally, there's no cause and effect, and maybe there isn't. But do you trust it? Or does it... How many times has there been a story where your worst suspicion was exactly what was true? Way too many times. <laughs> Way too many times. So when you see this coincidence, you say to yourself, I don't even think that is a coincidence. So I don't know what's true, But we have been trained, if you're paying attention, you've been trained not to trust this and to assume that this is a dirty vote and that they just took $300 million of your tax-paying money and put it into something because of blackmail. Maybe. I'm not saying that's true. I'm saying that if if you have that as an operating assumption, you're probably... Probably have a good operating assumption, even if it's not right every time. All right. Jake Novak uh, posted this today on X. He said, uh, I "Was at my local gun shop again yesterday." <laughs> I like the fact that it's again. He, he was at his local gun shop, you know, twice recently. Now, Jake has uh, worked for Israel, and um, so he's he's got a good insight into this. Uh, this world and he says uh, he was at the gun shop twice and I'm not exaggerating when I say that there was a minivan of religious Jews inside within 20 minutes after the store opened and then Jake says and I'll say it again Jews are arm, Jews arming up like this is the effective end of the gun control movement in America agree do you agree with that statement that conservative Jews, well, Jews in general, arming up in America is the end of the gun control movement. Now, it's not the end of the, uh, of the debate, definitely not the end of the debate, but, but it does create an almost impossible force to overcome because not only do Jewish Americans and people all over the world have now seen this model of what a bunch of people with rifles can do to a bunch of people who don't have them. right? If you always wondered what could that look like, that's what it looks like. The people with the rifles slaughter and torture and rape the people who didn't have rifles. That's it. That's, that's, your, that's your entire story. So if you want to be one of those people someday, the ones who were tortured, raped, and had no guns, well, you know which way to go. But if you like to have a gun... You also know which way to go. Uh, I'm going to add this to my list of, are you ready for this? Add it to the list of what? What what is the list I'm building that I'm adding the uh, Jews arming up with guns? Trump was right. The Trump was right list is really impressive at this point from the border to the wars to gun control I mean he's racking it up by just staying quiet <laughs> you know and and I'm going to say it directly there there is a feeling of Trump's third act that is so strong in in my bones that I'm finding it almost impossible to believe that by election day 2024 we will not have a major breaking news scandal about our election process. It, you, can, you can just feel it. <laughs> it it's just sort of, it's sort of like trying to get out in every possible way. Does anybody else feel that, or is that just my imagination? At this point, I would, I would place a substantial bet on a big story about elections between now and 2024. Don't know if it'll be Georgia, don't know if it'll be Fulton County, but I'm going I'm going to go with my prediction that the alleged, you know, some people allege there are a bunch of unfolded fake ballots in a room and they know what the room is. I'm going to go with my prediction that the room will be empty. Or at least those ballots will be gone. You just watch. If the ballots are gone, so is so is your democracy. Would you agree with that? If the ballots are gone and we never know where they are, that's the end of your democracy. Yeah, you you, you could you could call it dead at that point. All right. Here's a little test of your understanding. I'm going to give you two names uh, that are in the news. But not in the most mainstream of news. And I'm going to make the following claim: If you don't recognize these two names, you don't understand anything that you're seeing in the news. That's a big claim, isn't it? So this will be your test: If you recognize the names and you understand their role and who they connect to and you know who they work with and who funds them and all that, then you have a good idea what you're seeing. Here are the two names. Chris Krebs and Alex Stamos. Krebs, K-R-E-B-S, and Stamos, S-T-A-M-O-S. How many of you know both of those names and their role in the political informational world? I feel like this is sort of a dividing point between Democrats and well-informed Republicans. If you're a well-informed Republican, you'd recognize both names and you would know that they're part of the misinformation structure created by the Democrats. And you would also know, if you're well-informed, that the misinformation structure, which on the surface is to get rid of misinformation, is effectively a Democrat um, censoring machine which could be applied to the social media platforms, etc., if you didn't know that that entire structure exists and, and the names of the people who are central to it, then you don't know that your news is fake. You don't know that your social media uh, experience you know, is, is, is uh, changed by them. So I'm not gonna say you know, what's good or bad about them. You know, I don't wanna get sued for some kind of weird accusation. I'm saying that as a news consumer, if you've not gotten down to the level where you recognize those names and their role and stuff, you really don't know what's happening because then the news won't make sense. You'll think it's real. The moment you think the news is real and that the one you watch is the real one and the ones your enemies watch is the wrong one, as soon as you think that, you, you don't understand anything. Everything's confusing after that. Well, let's talk about brainwashing. Um, I saw a uh, post by user on X, uh, goes by Kodalyakrush, and uh, I thought it was an interesting thought. And the user said, uh, I've begun to think that education was always supposed to be politicized. People just forgot about this and ended up giving the keys to this henhouse to the wolves i.e., those who want to subvert the minds of impressionable children. Uh, Thus, we now have students cheering on Hamas. Now, to which I say, yes, education was always intended to be politicized. If you do it right, it's politicized. And I would point out that I was brainwashed as a kid, like really, really heavily brainwashed, as were most of you. I would say, but I was brainwashed for let's say capitalism and uh, loving my country and you know patriotism and uh, the uh, the so-called melting pot. Now, those things have a negative. You know the the culture that I was brought up in. You know the the brainwashing in school uh, turned us into America is great and we can do anything and you know we'll go over and. You know, bomb your people if we don't like you. So I, th- I, think, I think America went almost too far in saying Americans are special. I'm not sure that was helpful. But the, the, collective, uh, the collective brainwashing was very effective in creating a, enough cohesion in the country and enough, uh, you know, the capitalism emphasis made you work hard and it worked out. It was, a, it was good software for the country for where the country was. It was just the right, right operating system. But it had its flaws. Because it was successful, and only because it was successful, we could stop talking about you know daily survival, and then you start talking about more theoretical, philosophical things, and suddenly you say, hey, this system is brainwashing people into a certain system that's not making everybody thrive, something you didn't talk about until you had the you know, the, let's say the luxury of being able to talk about it. And and then, you know, people wanted to be flexible because it did seem unfair on some level, people would imagine. And so, you know, we evolved into a different system. Let, let me give you an idea of how uh, powerful brainwashing is. Um... So Jewish students at MIT were blocked from attending classes by hostile anti-Israel protesters. Do you think TikTok had anything to do with that? Yeah, there's very good information to suggest that TikTok is where the anti-Israel and anti-Jewish protesters are getting their their fire from. So TikTok clearly is a brainwashing thing. But how, how bad does it get? It was a video of a Palestinian grandmother on something called Hamas TV. I don't know how there's a Hamas TV, but I guess there is. Uh, it's not MSNBC. It's a Hamas TV. You could get those two confused, I know. But um, the grandmother said that uh, the jihad against the Jews is a top priority of the Palestinian people, and she said directly that she's ready to sacrifice uh, all of her 17 children, she has 17 children, and 65 grandchildren. So she's willing for all of her children and all of her grandchildren uh, to become martyrs uh, in the cause of killing Jews and taking over the Jewish land. Now, can Israel get any luckier with its enemies? If you ever had a chance to choose your enemies... The one you should choose would be the one who says, uh, yes, go ahead and please kill all of my children and all of my grandchildren, because we'll be quite happy about that situation. You know, we go to heaven and stuff. I mean, they're making it kind of easy for uh, Israel to do what it must do to protect itself. Now, isn't, isn't the, the biggest conversation about um, Gaza has been uh, who killed whose babies, right? Because we don't care about adults as much as babies. So it's like, your babies, you killed my babies, you killed my children. No, you killed more of my children. It's all about killing children because that's you know, the most powerful mental model is you know, that, that, uh, that alarms us the most. So it's, of course, we'd see the most of that. But here's somebody who actually says, you know, I don't mind if you kill my children and grandchildren, you know, as long as we're working on this, this mission to kill you. That really does give Israel a free hand. Can I say this directly? I don't know if I can say this directly and stay on social media, so I'll say it maybe indirectly. If you create a situation where your enemy has no choice but to kill your children, your enemy has a free pass. They have an ethical and moral free pass to kill all of your children. If you've stated, I have trained my children to grow up and kill you, even at the risk of their life, nothing shall stop my children. My children, I I encourage you to go out and, and kill the enemy. The enemy has an absolute, total ethical right to kill all of your children. Let me say it as directly as possible. People like this grandmother, and she does not speak for all Palestinians, I should say that for sure, doesn't speak for all of them. But unfortunately, the world is going to see messages like this, and they're going to say, you know what? If Israel killed all of their children, it would be a horror beyond imagination and completely justified from a self-defense perspective. Those both can be true. From a conscious perspective, conscience perspective it's the worst thing you could even imagine. Killing anybody's children intentionally. From a self-defense perspective, absolutely necessary. So let me say it directly. Um, it's hard for me to have sympathy for people who have weaponized their own children. How, how do I do that? I'm not sure I can even muster any. Honestly, it's a cruel world and terrible things happen, and I wish it didn't happen. You know, I very much wish nobody's children got killed. But if you weaponize your children, and then you brag about it, the other team gets to kill your kids. That's just the way it is. Um, so that's good for Israel. That takes a lot of pressure off them from at least the um, the mental part that people would put on them. So, given those examples, let us go to the whiteboard. I want to give you uh, my, my impression of what's happened in the brainwashing landscape. So, as I said, when I was a kid, the model was the government would influence TV. You know, the CIA specifically would have lots of influence over the TV. And they tell the TV, do a lot of patriotic, you know, stuff. Uh, make sure the people love America and think we're awesome. Make sure you do a lot of melting pot stuff. You know, make sure we're all getting along, that sort of thing. So they controlled largely what the schools taught and what the TV taught you indirectly. So then the kids were taught capitalism, patriotism, and the melting pot. So that, that was my experience. Now, again, the patriotism part probably turned America into a bunch of assholes. How many of you would agree with that? I love America. I think we're awesome. But I think it went too far. I think it turned us into assholes because it made us think we're a little bit better than the rest of the world. Now, maybe that's good. You know, maybe the system of America worked better because we thought we were better than other people. We were, we were trained to think that. But it's definitely got its downside, right? You get too arrogant, you get too cocky, you start thinking you're better than everybody. And then it's easy to attack them and kill them because you know, our, our needs are more important than your dying children. So I think we we overshot the mark a little bit. But there's no doubt that that operating system propelled America to become the dominant power. At the moment, it looks more like this. You've got China that owns TikTok that's influencing the kids. You've got Soros money that's influencing the government, which probably has a little or a lot to do with how the government uh, runs the schools, the... The teachers' unions, for example, uh, they've got their own version of what is right. So you've got the colleges creating woke teachers, etc. Now, this new brainwashing, um, let's say, situation pretty much guarantees that you get a lot of kids who believe in communism and the oppressor-oppressed model, which guarantees the destruction of your country. But let me say it as clearly as possible. This isn't just a problem. <laughs> this is a guarantee of the destruction of your country, because you would actually be training young people to do all the least practical things to fight about the repression instead of making money. You know the things that drive the world. So the government. Needs to be in charge of the kids, but the government is no longer unified. There are two versions of what the government would want that are pretty different. It wasn't so different in the 50s. I don't think the Democrats and the Republicans were too different, were they, when it came to patriotism, melting pot, capitalism? Wasn't it Democrats and Republicans pretty much the same when I was a kid? I don't even remember a difference. Yeah, the, the Democrats wanted more welfare stuff but they were certainly completely in favor of the, the brainwashing model that was the common one. So now you've got kids brainwashed all over the place. What it should do is drive society apart, and it should destroy America. Now, keep in mind that uh, that's a, that's a straight-line prediction. A straight-line prediction says there will never be a counterforce. Everything will keep going the way it was going. But nothing goes like that. In the real world, nothing goes straight-line forever. There's always a counterforce. What would be the counterforce in this case? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Could it be that uh, the X platform will become dominant? And then maybe... But I don't see that happening. Because I don't see children on X. Could it be that uh, our government might get its stones back and um, get rid of TikTok? That could be a big step. But here's what I think. I think the federal government should federalize the schools, and I think they should come up with one common curriculum uh, that, it, that gets the brainwashing, right? There could be lots of variety in, in some of the details, but there should be a brainwashing standard federal message that says to raise good children, you got to teach them they're not oppressed or oppressors. You can't have DEI. You can't have you know, this whole oppressor oppressed thing. And you have to teach them that capitalism is better than uh, communism. You know, with a little socialist flavor to it, we prefer it that way. Um, and and some version of uh, patriotism, but maybe without the excesses of that. So do you think that Congress could collectively come up with a set of maybe three missions that people would accept? At the moment, the Democrats wouldn't be able to say yes to that. But here's what I'd like. I would love a national... Uh, debate so that everybody shows their work. I would want the Democrats to say, here's what we want to teach kids, you know, oppressor, oppressed, whatever it is. Uh, socialism is good. Communism wasn't so bad. Whatever it is, just put it out there. This is what we want to teach them. And then have the Republicans and the moderate Democrats say, mm, here's a better idea about teaching them you know, patriotism, but not too far and melting pot, and you know everybody has a chance to make it, and, and all that. Let's, and and I think that this is a huge opportunity for Republicans, except they have that whole uh, states' rights thing. The worst thing you could do for America is let all the states run their education systems on their own without any federal influence. In my opinion, that would be the worst thing you could do. Because it guarantees some states are going to be garbage. Here's one thing you can't take a chance on. Do, do you know why the, the federal government handles the military? Right. We, we all prefer that authority be driven down to the state and local and individual level. But still, the federal government handles the military. Why? Because it's the only thing that works. There, there's no other reason. The federal government handles the military... Because nothing else would work. It's the only thing that works. The education system is closer to being like the military than it is to picking up the garbage. Do you get that? I love the fact that my local, local municipality is in charge of picking up my garbage. Why would the federal government be part of that? So I love it for the little stuff. Drive it down there, right? Personal decisions. But... The education, or let's say the brainwashing, you know, even more than the education, and the brainwashing, the brainwashing of our children, is national defense. It's not like it. It's not. It's not reminding you of it. It's not uh, similar to. It's not. Oh, this should be also in the conversation. It's not another variable you should consider. It is your whole fucking game. It's the whole game. Your military is worthless, worthless, if you haven't brainwashed your, your young people to be productive citizens who contribute. So the big, the big problem with education is that we treat it like a social thing instead of a national defense thing. What, are the, what is Hamas doing? Hamas is treating their children like a social thing or like a national defense thing? Well, they've weaponized their children. They've actually... They, they, they at least get one thing right, which is that they know their children are their weapons. They know that their, their cultural defense or offense, in this case, might be to weaponize kids. And we're, and we're letting our enemies weaponize our kids against us. We're literally... Not, not just figuratively. We're literally allowing our enemies to brainwash our children to be on the enemy's side. And we're allowing that under free speech. Right? We're allowing it. And the federal government should clamp that shit down immediately. Now, the reason this would be hard to do is that unless you follow this live stream... I don't think you'd have quite the same feeling that the right frame to look at this is the persuasion frame, right? If you're looking at everything from a political frame, it looks like you don't know what to do. If you look at it from a follow the money frame, which usually works, it also doesn't work because the money isn't as obvious. You know, there's some Soros money in there and there's some China money, but it's a little harder to follow the money. But if I say to you, follow national defense, that's your frame, protecting the country. And then on top of that frame is the persuasion frame. If you get those two frames right, the persuasion frame, and you understand how, you know, how bad TikTok is and what a risk it is to our whole civilization, and you understand you know, the, the national defense frame, then you can make the right decisions. But you would need somebody at a Vivek level of communication to sell to the, to sell to the public what they, they need, but maybe they don't understand they need it. Trump maybe could do it. He, he's, he's more of a, you know, he, he creates a dumpster fire, no matter if he's doing the right thing or the wrong thing. So he's, a, he's controversial. Uh, I know Vivek would hate to hear this, because he's running for president, and and I think he actually has a shot. People ask me, "Does Vivek have a shot?" Yes, because the two leading candidates for president both have a, a cloud hanging over them, right? And what happens if Trump actually goes to jail, right? What what happens if he's at a certain age and you know uh, a medical problem pops up that you weren't expecting? So. Vivek, I think, could take DeSantis if it turned... If, if anything took Trump out, you know, God forbid, but we're in a world where anything could happen. If anything took Trump out, you'd have a Vivek who looks like a younger Trump, you know, with advantages, without the baggage, and then you'd have a DeSantis who looks like DeSantis. <laughs> I know. I, I feel like Vivek would almost immediately take a slight lead, if not a larger lead, if the the moment, if you imagined a moment where something happened to Trump, God forbid. So, could he become president? Absolutely. Yeah. But if it didn't happen, let's say let's say you straight line it and uh, Trump becomes the nominee, and let's say he wins. Um, I would hate to see Vivek wasted as a vice president. Would you agree? That would be the biggest waste of talent. It would be almost unimaginably a waste of talent. And I think that's the reason why Vivek said, you know, I'm not really built for the number two job. And that's why the model that would work the best, way best, would be a... Um, remember how... Uh, Jared was to Trump. Now, people didn't like Jared for all their reasons, but Jared was like a strong um, partner who could simply execute things in the smartest possible way. So it was just an amazing, you know, amazingly good luck and well, smart, I guess, that Trump trusted Jared to do you know, various portfolios of things. But if a vague if it came to that, and Vivek uh, was considering a vice-presidency, he should only consider it if, he, if he's empowered even more than Al Gore was empowered during, um, you know, during the Clinton years. You, you want a vice-president who's got a portfolio, and maybe, here's the, here's the key part, maybe the most important stuff instead of the bullshit stuff. Am I right? Right. Just have him do the important stuff, the most important stuff. I think he'd be great at that. Because then you could could honestly say, you know, at the end of four more years of Trump, you would find yourself saying, I love things the administration did, and you'd probably look at what the vice president did in that case and say, you know, he really nailed these two or three areas that were just so critical. So watching somebody with Vivek's talent taking on our strongest or hardest problems would be exhilarating to me. That would be exhilarating. Do you you know what what it feels like? Well, here's an example. Do you remember what it felt like to many of you? I realize some people thought it was the end of the world. But do you remember what it felt like when Elon Musk bought Twitter? If you leaned right at all, didn't you immediately feel like things were heading in the right direction? Like, it took, you know, it took Musk in, in an amazing amount of work. I mean, almost, I can't even hold it in my head how much work was involved to turn Twitter, in, or, or X, into what it is now. And by the way, my my current view of X, oh, my God, it's so much better. The the interface on X, the, the fact that you can do, you know, pull your video windows out, you can scroll videos, and, you know, it's it's no longer... I'm not throttled. I mean, everything about the experience. The trolls are way down. The number of trolls I get is down 95%. I I think my trolls are down 95% compared to pre-Musk. I'm not sure why. But so that's the same feeling I would have if somebody like uh, Vivek had real power and the authority to go after some of our biggest problems. Because I, I think he could poke a hole in, in places that nobody could touch before. All right. And then he'd be an obvious one for president after that. Um, let's talk about the uh, zombie apocalypse in San Francisco. Uh, so as you may know, San Francisco is cleaning up because President Xi of China and Biden are going to be visiting. There's going to be a big economic summit in San Francisco. So apparently all of the zombie street people and addicts have been rounded up and everything's been power-washed, and they moved them all somewhere. But here's the question. Where'd they go? <laughs> and why couldn't they do that before? And I, I was laughing hard this morning, morning because Musk, not only does he own the X platform, but he's probably one of the all-time best posters here, here's Musk has a four-word comment about the fact that all the, the zombies in San Francisco were, were moved, right? So they're now the, the main parts of San Francisco seem, you know, clean. And here's what Musk said in four words, and these four words sum up the last five years of your existence. You ready for this? Four words from Musk about the fact that the San Francisco people, um, that they're somewhere. Here's his four words. Where did they go? (laughs) Have four words ever said more? Where did they go? Because there's so much in that question. Because the first part of the question, I mean, it's implied... Why couldn't you do this before? <clears throat> if wherever they are is acceptable, why did you wait till now? Right? That, that's the last five years in, in four words. Where did they go? I don't know where they went. So, so part of it is that you don't have news that works anymore. Imagine listening to the story and the news, the news doesn't know where they went. <laughs> I mean is that mind blowing? So everything you need to know about the state of news is in this question, where did they go? Then everything you need to know about politics is also in the question. Where did they go? Because if they went someplace acceptable, we could always have done it. Do you know what I'm going to add to the list? I'm going to add to the list. You know what list it is, right? Trump was right. Remember what Trump's solution to this was? Move them somewhere where they're simply away from the people who are in danger from them. But just move them someplace safe. Is that not Trump's idea? That was Trump's idea. Now, I think they're moved within the city probably. But I'm sure that they put the resources into making sure that they're somewhere where they're not bothering the residents too much and someplace where they're as safe as they were, maybe not any safer. Yeah, this is Trump being right again, that if there's nothing you can do about the fact that they exist in a free country, you've got to at least move them where they can exist without bothering you. That's Trump's idea. Greg Goffeld's idea also. You've seen him talk about it. So Goffeld and Trump both get the... uh, they were right on this one. Uh, Bill Maher on his show was talking about how uh, all these examples of uh, kids attacking their teachers. Apparently half of teachers are planning to quit. Kids attacking teachers. And uh, now... Uh, My childhood might have been different from yours, but kids having fistfights with teachers wasn't that unusual in my day. Was that unusual in your day? Is there anybody who's older? I remember it was always a free-for-all. No? Never? So you went to a school where you never saw a teacher and, and a student get into a fistfight? I can think of two or three cases from my my experience. It was the guys. Well, I'll tell you what I never saw. I never saw anybody attack a female teacher. I never saw that. Do you know what would have happened if a male teacher had ever attacked a female teacher? <laughs> it would have been ripped apart. <laughs> yeah, you would have been ripped apart. The students would probably would have killed you. But when it was man-on-man, man, you know, older student and a and a male teacher. Sometimes it just came to punches. It wasn't that unusual. All right. So it's not good. I'm not explaining it away. It looks pretty bad. Um, here's some good news for you. Did you know that uh, Trump and his advisor, S- Stephen Miller, created this uh, America First legal thing? And it's basically to root out uh, illegal discrimination against white male Americans. (laughs) And apparently they're going after NASCAR that has been discriminating against uh, white people. And they've already gone after, uh, let's say, Morgan Stanley, Major League Baseball, McDonald's, and Starbucks, and accusing all of them of uh, discrimination and having DEI practices that are discriminatory. Now, remember I always tell you that my, um, my objection to the slippery slope is that a better way to look at the world is not that some things have the quality of slipperiness, but rather that there's not yet a counterforce. And that slipperiness almost always creates a counterforce to stop the slipping. So this would be one example of a counterforce. So... If it's well funded, and here's my guess, I'm just gonna guess that there are a few billionaires who are the main funding of this. You know, it's probably open to anybody who wants to contribute to the fund. But I'll bet you there's a few billionaires who are like the main funders, you know, so it's not exactly everybody funding it, it's maybe a few individuals. And I think that they're putting their money where their mouth is, which is if If these organizations are going to blatantly discriminate against white people, as they have for 40 fucking years, ever since I was in my 20s, then finally, after 40 years of slipping, when it's at the point where where, uh, Republicans are literally being hunted, it was finally time for a counterforce to appear. And it's Trump. Turns out Trump is the counterforce. So he's, he's backing it anyway. So I'm very much in favor of uh, the counterforce. Every, everything that's good needs to have a counterforce. Right? Even if you think it was you know, a good impulse, things go too far. You always need the counterforce, even for good things, not just bad things. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, is there any news that I should have mentioned that I didn't? That was a, that was a tight hour. Um, so, the one thing I want to uh, accomplish is to get people to think in the brainwashing frame, but don't think brainwashing is always bad because there's no choice when it comes to children. Uh, yeah, let me say this as directly as possible. Children have to be brainwashed. We just call it, you know, teaching them or educating them or raising them right. There are other words on it. But children do not have developed brains. You can't let them make up their own minds, right? You know, depending on the age, you you give them more and more freedom as they get older, but you can't let children make up their minds about what's right and wrong. It just is the worst process in the world. You have to brainwash them, and you have to do it from the federal level because you can't trust the states not to be infected with a bunch of communists, which is the current situation. It should be illegal to teach the oppressor, oppressed... Uh, Okay, I'm just going to say it. It should be against the law to teach that some of your citizens are oppressors and some are oppressed. That should be illegal. Does anybody agree? It's the main operating system of our country, and in my opinion, it should actually be illegal. It should be it should be as illegal as... Um, you know how Germany has these really strict rules about uh, denying the Holocaust? You could actually go to jail. In Germany, you could go to fucking jail for denying the Holocaust. Now, that seems way, way over the line for Americans, right? But is it over the line for Germany? I mean, nothing's like Germany. You can't compare it to anything. So if Germany said... All right, even at the risk of jailing some people that shouldn't be jailed, we are never ever ever going to let this you know anti-Jewish thing surface to the level where it causes another world war. So, Germany understands that they will control the brainwashing of their children so carefully that you will go to jail if you try to tell the children that the Holocaust didn't happen. You'll go to fucking jail. Now, that's some serious brainwashing commitment. But is it wrong? Probably not. right? From, from our perspective outside of Germany, it seems way too far. Like, hey, free speech, right? But this was, a, this was a problem that caused a really, really, really big problem like the biggest you could probably have, you know, the Holocaust. So, yeah, you have to brainwash that shit out of people's minds. And you have to do it Aggressively. And you have to do it unapologetically. You just have to brainwash people that they don't need to be you know, killing other groups of people. All right. Nazism only worked because they got to the young minds. Well, is that true? I mean, that was a big part of it. But didn't Hitler take over so quickly? It wasn't really a generational change. I thought people were already primed I think Hitler had the right message. I mean, I hate to say it. When I mean right, I mean for his purposes, not for the good of the world. Um, for his purposes, because World War One created this feeling in the German people that you know they were owed something or they were oppressed, sort of an oppressor-oppressed model. But it wasn't wrong. They were pretty oppressed. So it was it was the perfect situation to brew a world war. Uh, Scott, Scott, Scott. Moody's threatening downgrade to U.S. debt. Yes. The U.S. debt problem had better get at least its debt commission going. I mean, I definitely would like to see Romney and Joe Manchin doing an independent debt reduction thing. But I, I think somebody, maybe a Vivek or a Trump, needs to say, if you can't settle the debt, we need some kind of a 2% cut, no matter what, rule. And I'd like, I'd like to see somebody at least selling that. Yeah, give us a 2% across the board, unless you can agree to a budget that, that cuts it by 2%. Limit spending to 20% of GDP, yeah, or something like that. What about Eric Adams being raided? Is that in the news today? Did Mayor Adams? Oh, he got. Uh, yeah, that was old story, right? That was about his campaign got raided. Yeah, I don't know that. I don't know what that's about, but it doesn't look. It doesn't look organic. It looks like some fuckery. His phone got taken. Oh, my God. Oh no! iPhone taken. Somebody says. Well, we don't know if that was true. It, oh, they took all of his devices. They took all of his devices. Somebody says. Perry Johnson is Perry Johnson um, running third party. Perry Johnson is in favor of two percent cut. Oh, okay. Adam's phone and iPad were seized by the feds, I'm seeing. Wow. Carol, because tragedy all leads to where we are today. Okay, I don't know them. All right, you're going to burn your devices? Well, I'll tell you again uh this advice assume that all of your communications are going to be public eventually because i think they might be i think there's a day where quantum computing simply makes everything you've ever said public because it can crack everything and we're we're on the verge of that so you should make sure that you don't have any you know murder plots or any any felonies you know, I don't think you can get rid of anything that anything, anybody else would criticize, right? If anybody saw your private conversations, they'd have plenty to criticize because there's always somebody on every side of every issue. But don't have any felonies there. <laughs> Do not have felonies on your digital communication. Misdemeanor, bad behavior, saying some incautious things, a little bit of bigotry. If you've got those things, you can probably survive them because if everybody's communication is public, we're all going to look pretty similar, similarly bad. But don't do a felony and put it on your digital communications. You can't tell if he's trolling. Do You mean me? You think uh, Mayor Adams is being taken down for challenging the illegal alien policy. Again, the, the obvious interpretation is that that's exactly what's happening. You know, so we're, we're in a period where assuming the worst is also the most reasonable assumption. So I hate that. All right, that's all for you, uh, YouTube. Thanks for joining. I'm going to do one more uh, test of traffic, and you're going to have to repeat the word I say so I can see how long it takes for it to show up in the comments. It's going to be a new word. You ready for this? The new word is bison, B-I-S-O-N, bison. Bison, got it right away. Bison. Bison. All right, well, that's almost no delay on both platforms. Very good. Uh, I think there might have been a technical delay that got worked out, so we're in good shape now. Yay. Everybody likes bison. (laughs) All right, YouTube, I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for joining.